Good morning, Connect. How's everybody doing? You guys look great. Are we enjoying the nice sunny day? All right, all right. Uh, my name is Pastor Derek, if you're here for the first time, and just want to welcome you to church and uh, hope that you've been blessed so far. I had a great uh, worship experience. I'm so grateful for even the opportunity to celebrate communion. The Bible says, is, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. It's not saying do it often. It's just saying, as often as you do do it, make sure you remember me. So sometimes liturgy takes over and we focus on doing it often and we forget the most important part is to remember him. Right? So let's never forget that it's about him and it's not just about the motions and the liturgy. It's about connecting with God. And I hope you had an opportunity to do that. Amen? Can you join me as we welcome all our online and cable viewers real quick? Can you give them a big hand and say we're glad you're with us? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Well, I'm going to get into my message uh, right away because uh, we're kicking off a new series, and I'm really excited about this series, David, the Warrior King. Come on, somebody. And uh, I hope this kind of motivates everyone, but, uh, but i, I got to tell you, I'm kind of targeting us men. Um, I hope this, this will inspire the men. I believe it's going to inspire men. All the ladies in the house say, we want our men to be inspired, right? Come on. You know, so uh, all the men could use a little inspiration once in a while. You know, because one of the problems sometimes uh, and one of the common ploys of culture and even really our enemy, if, if you believe in this, and I do, that the enemy, he's trying to make men passive. And so we're called to be uh, strong uh, men of God and strong leaders. And so, uh, but how many know behind every great man is a great woman? Come on, somebody. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. And I want to give some attention to the most beautiful woman to suck air, my wife, Stacy. Come on, we can give it up for my beautiful wife. Thank you, God, for her. Brownie points later. Come on, somebody. Anyway, behind every great woman is a surprise mother-in-law. <laughs> you guys, whatever, get that later. <laughs> so um, anyway, we'll get back into the message. So I just think this is going to inspire men to be great and women also to be great. And uh, so we're, we're really kind of focusing on leadership. David is, uh, next to Jesus, the most talked about Bible character. There's, there is... Uh, as a person, he, he is just a, um, he is a highlight reel of the scriptures. And in fact, I was doing a chronology of David's life, uh, kind of as a little private study and trying to figure out how messages could weave in perfectly in the series. And it's just not possible with certain things that are going on. But, but a three, four hour study and, and, and I was just seeing, I literally had like 25 messages, lessons that I saw. We could do this the whole summer. And, and it's just, he's just a, a dynamic uh, character, a very interesting man to talk about. The Bible, of course, says he was a man after God's own heart, and yet he was a uh, he was a man with human frailties and flaws. But he was he was a great man, and so we're going to talk about uh, this incredible character. Um, the kind of motto of the series is that David was the nobody who became a somebody. See, we only know him as the somebody. Uh, if you haven't really dug into your Bibles, you see the you see the big thing. Um, you see the, the big wins, you see the big battle, the, the, the greatest battle in the Bible uh, next to Jesus overcoming the grave was probably David and Goliath. And, and um, I'm going to talk a little bit before that today, but um, we, we often don't see this journey that he was on. And, and I don't know about you, but when I was in high school, I don't know if they still do this today. My, my daughter graduates from high school today, my caboose. And, uh, but I don't know if they do this in our high school, but when I was in high school, they had these things called superlatives. Does anybody remember, remember these? It's about five of you. Praise the Lord. Um, well, superlatives were basically when you got awards 
uh, for certain things, and a lot of them were really surface awards. I, of course, couldn't wait to get those awards. Like, they had awards like best looking. Of course, I won that one year. I mean, no surprise. I mean, come on, somebody. And then, and then there was best dressed. I got that four years in a row. I used to dress better then than I do now. Um, so I was all about that. But, but underneath that, I was, I was and everybody wanted the most coveted award, and that was most likely to succeed. So now, see, you guys knew what I was talking about. You just didn't know what superlatives meant. So now you guys get some vocabulary uh, updates. Uh, I, I, I didn't know what it meant either. I had to look it up. Um, so <laughs> most likely to succeed. We all wanted that. And I think when we read the story of David, we think he was the most likely to succeed. But the actuality, he was the most unlikely to succeed. We don't see the nobody. We just see the somebody. And I love this story because he was a shepherd boy. A shepherd was like the worst job you could have. And it wasn't looked at as too popular. Yet that shepherd became a king. We know that. But what about all the in-between? I almost called this the in-between of leadership. Because that process of leadership uh, led to a greatness inside this young boy, this youth, and he became a great king. The truth is, what encourages me about David's life, and I hope and trust it will encourage you, is that we all have greatness inside of us. There's, you may feel like a nobody, but God sees you as a somebody. You might feel like you've been overlooked, and you've been washed up, and you're sidelined, and you're red-shirted spiritually, practically, leadership, whatever it is you look at, but God sees greatness in you. And you could be like literally in a cave in the shadows uh, of leadership right now, but God wants to bring leadership out of you. In fact, those of you that have given your life to Christ, that means you've made a personal connection between you and God through his son, Jesus Christ. Basically, as a result of that connection, as soon as you make that, God puts purpose inside of you. He gives you a plan and a purpose for your life. And so one of those things is he wants to make you a successful person, an overcomer is another translation. Another word that's used in the Bible is he wants to make you a king or a priest. And so it's kind of like the highest, like a royalty in the kingdom of God. In fact, in Revelations, in your notes, Revelation 5.10, it says, And you've made them a kingdom, a royal race, a priest to our God, and they shall reign as kings over the earth. In 1 Peter 2.9 First Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen group of people. Everybody say, I'm chosen. You're a chosen group of people. You are the king's leaders. You are a holy nation. You belong to God, and he has done this for you so you can tell others how God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He wants to take you out from being a nobody, and he wants to make you a somebody. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not a nobody. You're a somebody. Turn to your second choice and say, I don't know yet about you. <laughs> I'm thinking it over. I'm thinking it over. So David's story can be our story. But we have to learn what David did to be able to see the things that uh, David saw in his life. And, and so this series is designed at looking at certain leadership lessons that he went through that you and I are really going through too. And we can hopefully arrive at the same place that he did. The truth is, when it comes to leadership, we should all be learners. Are you a learning leader? Are you a learning leader? In other words, are you just, are you just, I'm not talking about just receiving information in your brain and you'd be able to kick it back out on a piece of paper. Or if somebody asks you a question in the parking lot, what a pastor did talk? I'm not talking about, that's not a learn, that's not a leader who's learning. A leader who's learning is taking something received and applying it to their life, right? That's wisdom, applied knowledge, right? So all of us should be 
learning leaders. All of us should be in this journey or process of leadership. But the truth is we're all a work in progress. You don't look at your neighbor right now, but your neighbor is a work in progress. Some of you are like, yeah, he sure is. Yes, she sure is a work in progress. There's no doubt about that. You're sitting next to somebody like that. But for us to, for us to move forward to that place that God has for us. See, sometimes we don't get this, but I, I believe that when God gives you that purpose and that plan for your life because of the connection that you made with him, Something, something that we all need is we need a moment where there is a, like a divine encounter between you and God. I, I think some of you uh, have had that, and it's literally life-changing. There was some time in your life, I can remember 15 years old having a dream uh, where God was showing me preaching to hundreds and hundreds of people, even thousands of people as a young man. And I remember like you know, seeing that, I, I had a hard time believing it was possible, but I remember seeing that when I was a young man, and he spoke to me kind of about my purpose through a vision, through a dream, and, and, and I hope you've had something in your life related to your purpose, because you all have one. If you're connected to God, he'll give you your purpose, but you need a moment where that connection is made, and Habakkuk, the Bible, the Bible tells us in the book of Habakkuk that, that this vision that he gives you speaks of the end. So God will give you a vision and it will tell you about things that are to come. But what this scripture doesn't say, and the problem that I have sometimes with, with the Bible, is it doesn't tell us about all the in-between. He showed me when I was going to be preaching to thousands of people, but he didn't tell me all the things that it would take to get there. Is anybody up for the snack right now? Is anybody paying attention, as, as my daddy used to say? And so it, it doesn't talk to us about this process. And, and, and if I knew what it would take to get to the end along the way... I probably would have bailed, and God knows that. In other words, the process to get to that vision, to get to that end game, that, that purpose and plan of God, where I need to be, I would have probably turned and run if I'm completely honest, and some of you would have too. And so how do we embrace the steps? How do we uh, enroll in uh, this journey along the way? Because life can be tough in the middle, in the in-between. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm going to try to find this line I... I, I struggle sometimes to do it because I want to get right up to it for you for a reason. But I, I, some a little, we'll call this pastor confessions a little bit. Basically, I try to find the line between discretion and indiscretion, like transparency and secrecy when you're on stage. It's not an easy thing to do, just so you know. So you can just pray that I can do it well. But my heart's to, to try to help you and, and get as close as I can, but not get so close it's damaging. But basically, I think people look at certain people and you see... They're human highlight reel. See, you see this. This is the public me, but you don't see the private me. You don't know, you don't know what's going on behind the, whole, the scenes. Like sometimes, like sometimes, I wish, you know, we live in a media culture. We live in a social media culture, right? And when you go on people's Instagram or you go on people's, you know, Facebook, like it's, it's like everybody's best moments. It's everybody's human highlight reel. I wish as a pastor that pastors would get online and they would post train wreck Sunday. <laughs> like, Today was the worst day I ever had at church, you know, as a pastor. I'm not saying that was. I'm just saying that it would be great if, if somebody would just be honest because I know what happens. Today was nobody gave their heart to Christ. It was awful. Today was the lowest attendance in the history of our church. Today, you know, I hated, I didn't want to go to church myself, whatever. Train wreck Sunday. People don't do that, do they? They just put out their bed. My daughter, who's a CrossFit uh, fanatic, 
uh, she, she's at something for it right now. Uh, and she, um, what I used to love about it when she would get on, so she'd post her fails. And she'd put like some lift and she'd fail. And man, she got more attention over her failures than she did her successes. Isn't that interesting, everybody? Yeah. I, it's amazing how few times we're real about things. But like for me, you know, my, my wife and I, we've been married 25 years. And, and it's been 15 wonderful years. But there, there, was, there was a lot of time, in, in and out, just different times for both of us. One time, I'd be okay, she'd be not so okay, and, 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 and most of the time, uh, I wasn't, you know, she wasn't okay because I was an idiot. But there, was, there, were, there were years of just difficulty. In fact, the early years of our marriage in particular, I was in ministry, preaching on this stage, living down the street here, and we were, we were talking about bad stuff being done. It wasn't easy. And so you can see, oh, what a great man, what a great, what a great family. Family, we've had plenty of family problems. You just see, again, sometimes the best things. All my kids aren't perfect. Devin thinks he's perfect, but not all my kids are perfect. <laughs> there's been a lot of there's been a lot of challenges. And and we've had family issues. Some of you don't know the history of our church. You know, my father was the founder of this church. We've had we've had power struggles. You know, we've had, you know, politicking, we've had positional issues and we've had fights so bad my dad and I used to have had some pretty big blowouts we're kind of like two alpha males and and I had to learn how to come undercover and and but at the same time I, I but at the same time I knew I had a purpose and call in my life and to be honest with you we didn't I didn't handle things great when I was a son in ministry for him and there were times where we had a fight one time. This is the honest truth, but it got so bad. We went the, there was a prayer room used to be up back where, I don't know, there's storage back there now. That used to be a prayer room. We went back in the prayer room to talk. And we had a fight so bad. By the way, the, the, we, had a Christian, we still have a Christian school. But the Christian school, our MCA, used to be down on the first floor here of our building. And so the whole, the, the whole elementary school is downstairs. Our fight got so loud and so bad that the administrator of the school, Rebecca, sent the whole school out for recess. Say, hey, everybody, hey, everybody, free recess, you know. We're going to go outside. Teachers are like, we don't have recess right now. Yeah, we got recess right now. Recess, recess. There's a big talk upstairs. Want to go outside? Come on, kids. Come on, kids. I mean, it was so bad. Recess. Had staff issues, you know, where it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And I, 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 sometimes I used to think I was a monster because I couldn't hold my staff. I was thinking, am I a monster to work for? Really? And we had, we had some turnover and changes, and it was painful. I've had physical issues. I know you all had stuff. I'm just telling you my story because sometimes I think you look this way and you think everything's great. No, it's not. And I'm, t- and I'm going with, I'm going with there's, there's a reason for this. But, you know, I, sometimes, you know, the, the stress, I don't know how to handle stress sometimes. I think, I think that if it wasn't for my strong constitutions, I, w- I would have been medicated for sleep disorders and things like that many, many years ago because I don't know how to shut it off, and I'm learning still how to do that. You know, um, excessive, like workahol- work, like a workaholic. My wife would, she's resisting saying amen, but there's, there's issues with that. You know, I've had so much so that I've had some serious fi- physical problems too. I had cancer in 2012 and praise God recovered from that. But I have to stay, I have to stay tuned in. I have to stay tuned in. But I'm just saying, not a human highlight reel. Not everything, everything great. It's been a process. It's been painful. If I had known to get to this I probably, probably would have said no sometimes, but I'm thankful. But I, if I had known some of these things, you know, I, loss, we've lost, we've lost close people in our life. We, I almost lost one of my staff Friday. 
one of our, one of our child care centers. Just, I was leaving to go on a retreat with men from this church up in New Hampshire. Literally just trying to get away. As I'm getting pulling away, one of, my, one of our staff drops, has, has seizures. Eventually, they tried to resuscitate her. She passed out. She coded. She died. And she came back, so just hang on. But she coded. I mean, she was, EMTs came and miraculously, miraculously resuscitated her. And, and she's been in a medicinal coma up until last night. They took her off the ventilators, praise God. But, like, people, you know, you just, see, people come to me sometimes and think, oh, pastor, you know, um, they don't know what you do. They don't understand. Like, people, some of you may be here for, you know what church is all about. You understand even, like, what the role of the pastor is. It's always funny to me. I've been in ministry 25 years. And, and people say, so do you work full time? You know, in the first 10 years, I wanted to punch him in the face. <laughs> I, to be honest, I did. And then the second 10 years, you know, I, I would just kind of laugh and I'd justify it. And in the last five years, I'm, I just kind of like, no, it's not really full time. It's a piece of cake. You know, I just kind of whatever. So you, you just change over the years and those kind of things. But um, some of my closest friends in life, like family, are divorced. You know, their marriages are crumbled and failed. One I, I, I believe I was supposed to do ministry with for for. for you know, and had, believe I had a calling to do ministry with him. The other one we used to do marriage retreats in this church with. Five marriage retreats they ministered through this church, and, their mar- and the marriage is destroyed. Let me just tell you, I've seen some stuff. I've seen, and so have you. And I'm not saying your problems are worse than mine. I'm just trying to get you to see there's pain sometimes getting to our purpose. I remember this church when we, were, we just could not break 300. That might not be a big deal to you. When, and you might think, oh, it's always been, you know, pretty healthy, robust church. Like, we're right around 1,000 people in this church. And, but but, but I, I, knew, I knew God wanted to do something bigger. And, and, he, and it's not about big. It's just about health. But I just, you know, when you have a purpose and you believe it's bigger than what you're seeing, and it's so frustrating. And I had this incredible dissatisfaction. And we had a church years ago, one of my father, that was twice as big as that at the time. And when Stacy and I took over, it had dwindled down to 100 people. We had reverse growth. And, and people, people were leaving the church because they didn't want to follow Stacy and I and our vision. And, and, and it, it, I'm sorry, it sucked. It was terrible. It was very painful. I wanted to quit many times. And God gave me a word. I had a moment years ago. I had a moment. And, and he said, you know, you're married to the ministry, Derek. This is your, this, you're, you're in covenant with this ministry unless it divorces itself from you. If I didn't have that moment, I wouldn't be standing here. You need to know that. I needed that moment. And I'm, I'm saying all this to say, you guys need a moment too. And I'm kind of building to one point that's going to lead to a bunch of points. Because you've got to get the first thing before you get the other things. Some of you are circling the mountain in the purpose and plan of God for your life because you maybe made that connection to the fire insurance, the heavenly security. But you don't get the big point is about now. What are you doing with your life now? And to connect with that point, you first connect with God, but then you've got to have a divine encounter with God. You've got to have a moment where he speaks to you, and you realize, oh, he wants me to do something while I'm here. And I don't know if you've had that. In fact, I want to pray for you right now in the middle of the service. In fact, I just want you to close your eyes for a second. And I'm going to ask a question, and then I'm going to just ask God to speak to you if you want to answer to that question. Do you know the purpose and plan of God for your life? Have you had a moment where he spoke to you about your future? Do you know, do you know the, he, the vision speaks of the end? Do you have the, did he show you what you're supposed to do with your life in the here and now? And are you even remotely pursuing that? That's why you're here, sir, man, boy, or girl. And God wants you to have a vivid picture 
of what he wants to do in your life. And, and that's why you come to church, is to figure that out. And that's why you worship God. And that's why you serve God, is to figure out what that is and then begin to do that. And I pray in Jesus' name for every person in this room that doesn't understand or know or grasp that though they might feel like a nobody, God's called them to be a somebody. And he wants to do something great. And I pray in Jesus' name that greatness manifest in each man, woman, boy, or girl in this room. That there's no special people. There's only people who especially believe in an awesome God who wants to do incredible things in their life. And yes, there'll be problems. But it's way better to serve and to live through those problems knowing that God has a plan and a purpose in your life. And you hold on to those moments of God and it'll help you through those, the heat and the pain and the problems in this life. In Jesus' name, for every person I pray, amen. See, God said to me, and I would say to him, God, you said, and, and you showed me, and, 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 and those burning bush moments in my life where he spoke to me helped me so, so much. But here's the thing. Between now and then is a process. It's a journey, and it's not easy. It's not easy at all. So I want to give you some of these keys to be a king and priest. Some of these, to be the somebody that God's called you to be, there are certain keys to that. Let me give you one of these, okay, as we start. Are you guys tracking with me this morning? See, there's no progress for a leader who won't embrace the process. There's no progress for a leader who won't embrace the, the process. God is taking you on a journey. There is a process that you are going through. And so many times, and I think our default is to choose the course of least resistance. We're facing problems, and we're like, what is the, where, where is the nearest exit? Where sometimes we just have to climb the hill. Sometimes we just have to hold fast. Sometimes we just have to just hang on to the, like the Bible says, the hem of his garment. And not quit and give up. But, but know that this is a part of that process. Jesus said this, he said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say you, you are, you've arrived. He said, I'm going to make you. It's a process. It's a process. So let's look at David's life because I want you to see this nobody who became a somebody. But we only see the somebody. We only see his highlight reel. But at 13 to 15 years old, David was anointed to be the next king and, and of Israel. And then the original, the first king was Saul. And, but God overlooked Saul because he, uh, he, was, he was disobedient, he was prideful, and he was, of course, incredibly insecure. And, but David, who was anointed to be king, uh, was overlooked by his own father. To just start out his life in ministry, to fulfill his call, his own father rejected him, his earthly father. Samuel the prophet comes to anoint the new king. That's how it worked back then. Samuel asks Jesse, the father of David, to bring all his sons out. And Jesse doesn't even call for his to call for his youngest son. He calls for everybody but his youngest son. And he assumed, because people look at outward appearances, he's going to want his eldest. His eldest was overlooked and so on. You know the story. And then at the end, Samuel says, it's none of these. Is there anybody else? And Jesse has kind of a V8 moment and says, oh, yeah. There's, oh, there is David. You know, he's out, he's out taking care of the sheep. Well, get him. Get him. And, and he's rejected. He's found not even worthy by his own father. But when he gets anointed, he didn't just go from anointed to appointed king, did he? No, there was a process. He was anointed at 13, but he wasn't appointed king till he was 30. 17 years of in-between process. And I want to talk about that. But I believe, again, you need a moment or you will quit in the heat of the moment. You need a moment with God or you're going to quit in the heat of the moment. There are many times where I wanted to quit, but because 
of a moment I had with God and what he spoke to me. My wife can attest to this many times. I was like, I don't, know if I, I don't know if I can endure it. But if God hadn't spoke to me, I'm telling you, you need that. That's why, that's why we pray. That's why we pursue God is to hear from God. Anyway, ministry surfaces when needs arise. And Saul is being the king at the time is being tormented. And, and so to deal with his torment, he asked for a minstrel to come and minister to him. Basically, he asked for a worship leader to come and play for him to kind of calm him down when he's getting all in a tizzy and crazy and nuts. And so David's first-time ministry gig is a part-time worship leader. Okay? So to get this, he's a part-time worship leader for an audience of, get this, one Imagine getting going and some of you get your first opportunity to your big breakthrough, your big platform, your big whatever God's called you to do, and you think it's this, but no, it's this. If you're a worship leader, you got David Pisani was up here just a little while ago. You know, what if I David, yeah, we got a part-time position for you. And he's like, oh, that's awesome, Pastor, because I want to be on staff and I want to be used by God. Okay, David, so here's the deal. I'm going to put you on staff and I want you to come uh, uh, not Sunday, but I want you to come Tuesday to my office, and I want you to just play for me. Come again, Pastor? Yeah, just you and me. It's a part-time worship gig. I don't think he'd be that excited about that position, but that was the opportunity that David got. David was a part-time worship leader for an audience of one. But this is a foreshadowing of really all of our ministry. Because at the end of the day, no matter how many people we influence, no matter how much affluence we will have, as a Christ follower, king and priest, we should all be doing what we do for an audience of one. Can I have an amen? amen? You all need to see that, that that is something that God is trying to communicate to all of us. And so David gets his part-time worship gig. He takes off his shepherd's robe. It's like a bathrobe, a dirty bathrobe. That's kind of my idea of what it probably looked like. And he puts on his worship clothes, right? Skinny jeans, you know, hoop neck or V-neck. Some kind of a necklace with a key on it, you know what I mean? Jacket, hat. Just look at David, you'll see it. Glasses, but they're not prescription. You just wear them anyway because it's cool, and that's what everybody does. And he goes and, he goes and does his part-time worship gig. Isn't that, isn't that what every worship leader does? Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. But David said yes to that. He didn't say, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. No, wait, no. You don't understand. I was appointed, excuse me, I was anointed to be king. This, I, I, don't, I don't do part-time. I don't do part-time. This isn't full-time. I don't, I don't do part-time. What, what's the benefit package? Can you tell me a little bit about the vacation policy? You know, what's the work-life balance? Buzzword around here. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? No, he didn't say that. He was anointed to be king, but he accepted the assignment that God gave him. I remember for me, my story has a similarity to this. I remember, you know, my dad asked me to be the worship leader of this church many, many years ago. And at the time, I could play on a guitar, G, C, and D. So I could do about four songs. I never sang in public except at my sister's wedding one time. The only singing I ever did in public was, no, I didn't do anything. The only thing I ever did was in the shower, a little bit to my wife, you know, when I was in college on the phone. That worked pretty good. Uh, <laughs> come on, somebody. That's for the marriage retreat. And, and, then, and then just by myself. It was kind of like a David thing. Like David was cultivating his gifts in the valley, but he had no, I, no idea how God was going to use that. I didn't either. And so my father, we had a kind of a turnover with a staff member, and kid guy was super talented. And dad said, I need somebody I can trust, and I want you to, I want you, to you know, take this position. I said, I'll pray about it. He says, I want you to take this position. I said, okay, dad. And so I accepted the position, 
And I just, I remember going in. It was chaos at first. I was terrible. Like, I'm trying to get, you, some of you are not musicians, but I was trying to get people to, you know, playing keys you couldn't play. And key of L, let's go. There is no key of L. You know, let's modulate. Again, we did it eight times already. It just, and, 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 they, and the team was just, they were, they were already struggling because of the leadership change. And, and listen, the point is, there's this process of leadership that God is taking you through. And you need to embrace that process. And you need to take the opportunities that God has given you, that he has set before you, and say yes to those opportunities and be faithful in them. And be faithful in them. And some of you are not seeing the breakthroughs in your life. And you're not seeing that next level in your life because you're not saying yes to the opportunities that God is. I don't want to be a part-time worship leader for an audience or one. Well, then you're going to miss what God wants to do in your life. You need to say yes to that. And you need to be faithful to those opportunities. And put on your stupid skinny jeans and do whatever it takes to look the part. And you'll actually grow into the part. And I actually got pretty good after, after a while. After a while. See, please don't take this the wrong way. I don't have time to qualify everything. But you can look at this and say, man, I'd love to be able to do that. Some of you are called into ministry. Good for you. Good for you. Let me just tell you, I'd like to give you my don't do it speech privately because it's a tough job. And so come see me if you feel called. But you think this is so great. But sometimes you don't know what it took to get to this. See, I was a janitor. I was a custodian in this church. I would still unplug a toilet. I would still, I still, you, my staff will tell me, I, they, they, they would tell you, I, I, I'm fine with clean, do whatever you got to do. I believe cleanliness is next to godliness. All right? So I, it, cha- it changed me. I did it as a volunteer. I, I biked, you know, three days a week to come here and clean this building just, just as a volunteer. So before I picked up the mic, I had a mop. And so sometimes we're not willing to go through the process of leadership. We just want to go from here to king. And it doesn't work like that. You need to be faithful with what God has put in front of you. you need to, some of you, why is that? Because you don't have the shoulders to carry the weight of the call of God on your life if you will not go through the process of faithfulness. And so you can be suffering and struggling, and you can be picked off so easy, and a lot of people fall behind you because you haven't been developed And some of us, we're waiting to be discovered when we need to be developed where we are. That's the cultural issue that we have today. And it's not just in society, it's also in the local church as well. We need to be asking God, what are you trying to do in me? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to say to me that I'm not learning yet? Because if you keep, if you're in that season, you could be in that season two weeks Two years or 20 years if you don't embrace the process and remain faithful in that process. Is everybody with me? Here's the second point. So is he mad? No, I'm not mad. I'm just passionate, okay? Number two, faithfulness will lead to opportunities. Faithfulness leads to opportunities. So, so like David, I went from a worship leader, and then eventually I got an opportunity to, to come on full-time as a school principal of a fledgling school. This is just my story. I'm just using my story to help you with your story. And in the, simultaneously, I'm in the secular world. I'm in a career uh, where I'm, I'm working for a Fortune 500 company. I'm kind of in a fast, I'm not kind of, I was in a fast track situation. And we were being positioned to actually move to Dearborn, Michigan and take kind of a different journey. Right? Well, this is happening. And I remember my wife and I praying about this. And we got this opportunity to work in this little Christian school. And it just seemed crazy. To do that. Full time, yeah, but in a Christian school. We prayed about it. We felt like God told us this is what he wanted us to do. Now, looking back, 
I realized it was the greatest training ground for this role that I'm in right now that I could possibly have. More so than any seminary training that I could have ever gone through working in Christian education. By the way, for 14 years, I served faithfully in Christian education. And this is what I would say. Some of you don't see the, that faithfulness will lead to opportunities, but the opportunities might not be what you think they are, but small doors can open to great rooms. And sometimes you won't go through that small door because you think it should be a big door because full time means big time or because this next step means it should look like a big platform. And it's not always going to be that way. But if you'll say yes to those opportunities and you remain faithful, faithfulness will lead to greater and greater opportunities. And in David's life, the path and the process were connected to his leadership. David was a sheep herder. And then he became a shepherd of God's people, yes. But in the in-between, he went from a rejected son, who a, sh a sheep herder, to then a part-time worship pastor. Listen to this. And then from there, he became a pizza delivery boy. Say, what are you talking about? Let me, let me show you. I'll show you in the Bible in just a second. But that pizza delivery boy position led him to one of the greatest open doors that he could ever have in his entire life. Your gifts don't always mean the opportunity's big. Your gifts are big. Your gifts are big, and your gifts will open the doors to greater and greater opportunities. But you have to be willing to be faithful to use your gifts wherever you are, and that will open doors. Small doors will lead to great rooms. Is everybody with me? And so we all love the story of David defeating Goliath, but we, don't, we forget and don't know what led to that opportunity. We could even have that moment. What happened? First, he was underappreciated as a son. Second, he was a part-time worship leader. Then, a delivery boy. As a pizza delivery boy, he could have said to his dad, which many of us do in our journey of faith, I don't deliver pizzas. This is more real than probably it needs to get. Because some of us, we, we struggle to find work, but we won't take that job. Some of us struggle to make ends meet, but we won't do that. I don't, I'm not going to bring myself to that level. Would, you, would, it, would it use your gifts? Maybe that would open up to something. Maybe you'd be running five stores by now. Maybe you'd be an owner of a store by now if he had said yes to those opportunities. See, no way, Pops. David could have said, no way, Pops. You should be delivering me pizzas. I'm the king. I'm the king. First Samuel 17, 20, it says, Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses. You see the cheese and the bread there and how I got that, everybody? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Say, that's good, Pastor. That's good. Okay. And then he says, bring it to the commander of the unit. See how your brothers are doing and bring back assurances from them. In the process of delivering pizzas, he sees a giant opportunity. See, sometimes you don't realize how your opportunity is going to come to fulfill the purpose and plan of God in your life. It might be you're just carrying pizzas. But some of us, oh, I don't want to serve in this area. Or I'm not willing to take that job. Or I don't want to do what that particular authority told me to do in my career and in my workplace or in the church or whatever. I don't do that. Well, then you're going to stay where you are. You're not going to continue in the process of leadership. And so David, you know, like many of us, was called to be on the front lines. But he was willing to be on the back line before he was on the front line. And some of us have a heart issue that is our character is critical to the success and fulfillment of our ministry and our calling and our purpose. And he said yes to whatever was required. So between where you are and where you want to be, be faithful in what you have to do and opportunities will begin to surface. When I started pastoring the church here, like I, I think I said this, sometimes services merge, but people left. It stunk. 
It was bad. I remember God giving me this vision, my wife and I had this vision for this church, and some people started having problems with it. Leaders were leaving. So it's one thing when, when, when just people leave that are in and out, kind of fringe people, as I like to say, and frequent flyers. I hate that. It still hurts. But, man, when family leaves and leaders leave, that, that's, it was tough. And I remember this one particular couple uh, uh, want, that was going to leave, they want to talk to me first. I hate the meetings when they already decided to leave and then they want to have a conversation. It's like, yeah, this would be awesome. And so we sit down. <laughs> we sit down and they basically great people. They love Jesus. I still have friends with them today. But they basically just disagreed with the vision of this church. And they said, we're going to go. And I remember in my head the Lord saying to me, how much is your vision worth, son? Because I wanted, because here's the deal. They, they gave almost 25% of the total income of the church at the time. That might not seem like a big deal to you, but it was a big deal to me. And I just, I was like, well, God, it's worth that much. <laughs> and no, it's not. And anyway, I let him, I let him leave. I remember when I shut the door, I'm honest to God. When the, as soon as I shut the door and they walked out, I dropped to my knees and I wept. Because I thought, people could lose their jobs. Budgets are going to be shut down. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I don't, I don't, this could get totally misinterpreted, but, and so I'm not going to get into details. But that was the process and path of leadership for me. I had to go through that crucible. And it was crippling, but later God tripled our budget. Not through one person, but displaced it through many people who believed in the vision, who were faithful to God, and God took care of all that. But on the front end, I, I hated it. And it was really painful. But it was the process of leadership for me. Is everybody tracking with me? You have to go through your own tests like that to get to where God wants you to be. Years later, things change. It's awesome. But I'm going to have new tests again. There are going to be harder ones than that in the process. And there will be for you too. But everything great in your life comes with the price. And the price is faithfulness. Faithfulness. God never is, you know, I used to think about that. Why doesn't he bring me leaders? Why doesn't he, this, this church has got great leaders, and that church has got, why don't we, blah, 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 blah. And, I, and, and then God spoke to me, he goes, I'll never bring you vessels that are full. I'll bring you vessels that are empty, and you need to pour into them until they're full, and then God will give you even more. And you need to do the same thing in your life, in your family, in your, why didn't God give me a better husband? Well, you know what, he never gave you a vessel that was full. Why didn't he give me kids that didn't like those kids? He gave you empty vessels. You need to pour into those vessels. And when you're faithful with those vessels, he'll give you even more. Be faithful with whatever God has given you, and more opportunities will come in the process. What bread and cheese are you not willing to deliver? Well, I only do surf and turf. Well, that's your problem. That's your problem. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's your problem. That's how my Cajun friends say it. That's your problem. See, David was, wasn't just hoping for opportunities. David was a guy with sweat equity. Sweat equity is when we trust God through what we can't see and keep on doing the right thing until whatever we're believing for manifests. So, so David was faithful, and, and he embraced the process, and he went from part-time to full-time because Saul saw this, and he says, I need to have this guy all the time. So, so Saul hires him on as a full-timer. So David gets into full-time ministry. He's like, here it is. It's my break. This is what people think. So let's just take David Pisania. David Pisania goes from part-time in Pastor D's office, and he's doing a great job. And I say, David, I want you to come on full-time. David's like, yeah, 
awesome. Full-time ministry. This is what happens for David. Uh, David in the Bible. Let's say, let's say someday, this, let's pray this doesn't happen for David Pisania. So David comes on staff, and he realizes very quickly that he's in a highly dysfunctional environment, and he's working for a psychopath. And this psychopath, what do you mean? I mean, this guy, when he started, when the worship leader started to do his job, his boss threw spears at him. <laughs> People come to me sometimes and say, Pastor, it's really hard in my marriage. And you don't know my boss. He's just a total, he's just a total loser. And he's a jerk and other bad words that I can say right now. And you don't know, you know, some people say to me, there are other churches and they want to come over here. And I say, no, 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 get back over there. They say, you don't know my pastor. I say, unless he's throwing spears at you, stay put. Be faithful. <laughs> you don't like that point, but we need to hear that. We need to be faithful. And so my third point is this. Always honor authority. Always honor authority. Always honor authority. How do you handle time, times when spears are being thrown at you? Do you run? Do you quit? I'm going to be strong with you right now. And trust me, I don't have anybody in mind. I didn't come in here with a... You know, you know, a busted hornet's nest or anything like that. I'm, I, I really don't. But I'm just telling you, you need to hear it strong. Some of you struggle because you cannot come under anybody's authority. Who do you listen to? Who do you really follow? Who can stick their finger in your eye? Well, I don't let anybody stick their finger in my eye. Well, I'm not saying anybody. I'm just saying somebody. I didn't say anybody. Who do you listen to? Is it just you? It's amazing to me that some people struggle with things for years and years and years and years. All kinds of things. Every human malady on the planet. And then somebody will give them a piece of advice. Say, I, don't, I don't believe in that. I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I don't do that. How's it working for you, following you? We need to come under authority. To have authority, you need to come under authority. See, see I, I can't have authority in my home with my kids if they didn't see me come under the authority of my parents. See, I don't, I don't have to do everything they say, but I have to honor the authority. I have to honor it. Say, what, 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 what do you mean by honor? Honor does, honors the position, but the behavior is, is different. See, my, my wife doesn't have to honor my behavior, but she has to honor my position. I have to honor her. So sometimes we mix those two up. Well, I don't like how he's behaving. I don't like how he's talking. I don't like how he's doing. Well, he, he's got a position or she's got a position. We need to honor that position. You can have honest conversations behind closed doors. Wait, let, me, let, me, let me play this out. And my staff, um, I'm not a tyrant. <laughs> so, you know, you're like, he, he must be a really rough. I'm not. My staff loves working for me. This is why. This is why. Because if they disagree with something I'm, I'm doing or saying, they can, come, they can come behind closed doors and talk to me about it. Straight up. Uh, Pastor, I just want to talk about something. You said this, and you said that, and that hurt my feelings, or I don't agree with this. You know what? A lot of times I just go, you know what? You're right. Absolutely. I'll go out there and I'll, I'll make that right. In fact, I try to model, when there's a problem, I try to model, take responsibility first. But I don't think it's everybody else's fault. I, think, I just think well, there's something I didn't, I didn't lead right. This, this, the reason this is happening is because at the top, I've somehow missed it. And so that perpetuates an environment of honor and an environment of authority. Authority is not restrictive if it's correct. Authority is protective. See, we see authority through the lens of restriction. Authority was created for protection. If we didn't have authority in the military, we'd have chaos. If we didn't have authority, if we didn't have boundaries in our finances, we'd have chaos. Everything is for protection. But man overcomplicates, God simplifies. And so you need to come under authority. Doesn't mean you can't have honest conversations, but is there anybody you're listening to honestly? <laughs> so 
listen to David. David has this raw, this terrible deal. He's working for a psychopath who's throwing spears at him. He's promised the king's daughter, Michael, Michael and, and then he's getting ready to renege. And so he gives David this special assignment to really try to kill him and take him out. And he says this in Samuel, 2 Samuel 18, 18. When Saul's servants told him what David said, this is previous conversation, Saul replied, tell David this. The king wants no other price for the bride than a hundred Philistine foreskins to take revenge on his enemies. Did you guys hear what I just said? <laughs> I'm pretty sure none of you have worked for a guy who asked you to go get a hundred foreskins. I'm pretty sure none of you have had a pastor who told you to do something. I'm pretty sure none of you had a spouse. This is what you call a raw deal. You know what I'm saying out there right now. So what do you do when you get an assignment you don't like? Do you bail? Oh, I'm not going to this church anymore. Some of you would bail over nothing. I could say one thing wrong, you're out of here. Somebody could say one thing wrong in your small group, you're out of here. You, need to be, you want to be blessed? Be planted. Be rooted. Imperfect people, I get it. And I know there's been tons of authority abuse. I get it. Can I ask you a question as your pastor? You're going to be part of this church. Please don't charge that to my account or to this account. I get it. Come here and get healed. We're, I'm usually like really nice. Okay? But sometimes you need to hear it like just get rooted. Get planted. I'm not going to say everything right all the time. People are not going to tell you everything you want to hear. Some of y'all have authority problems. And you don't like it that I'm poking around right now. Ooh, I don't like how you said that. Ooh, I don't like how you said that. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That means you got a problem. And God's trying to teach you submission. And it may be the secret sauce to fulfilling the plan of God in your life is coming under that authority. And so David, look at his response. In the process of his leadership to the greatest potentially position in a nation, a king, he responded not by, I ain't doing that. By the way, if anybody tells you to go get 104 skins, I set you free from that responsibility because that's <laughs> nasty, Okay. So I just want to make that clear. But David's response to this was he went out and got 200. <laughs> I'm going to get off this, okay? <laughs> but my point in the story is do you go above and beyond what authority asks you to do? Or do you less than or not at all? Maybe there's a connection to the process of leadership for you. Maybe there's a connection for that. Because God sees what you do. You see, you're not even realizing what you do, what you say, what your attitude is towards authority. See, when you come under authority and you follow authority's instructions, you are setting the DNA for relationships. Let me say it like this. When you come under authority, you're setting the DNA for your marriage. You're setting the DNA for your future family or present family. You're setting the DNA for the teams that you lead, the people that you lead in your workplace, the church that you lead. See, if, and if you don't come under authority, it's really hard to change the DNA once it's set. So you need to understand this is a really important principle. Write this down. If you can't submit when it's tough, you won't be able to lead when it matters. If you can't submit when it's tough, you can't lead when it matters. I was tempted many times, and just so you understand, I was tempted many times to take that which I thought was mine. I believed I was called to be the senior pastor before I became the senior pastor of this church. I thought I was ready. You know why I thought I was ready? And this will, this will speak to some people in here. I thought I was ready because I could communicate from the stage. I thought pastoring a church was all about what happened in this little eight-foot, square, square-foot area here. This little box up here. Let me tell you something. This is about 10% of it. I had so much to learn that has nothing to do with standing on this platform. I can remember being in my shower years ago, just 
complaining to God, like, when, 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 when? I, I, I complained about a person when God was trying to teach me a principle of authority. I thought my dad was in my way. I was in my way. See, some of you are going to stay in that process two weeks, two years, 20 years. If you can't see, it's not everybody else. It's you. It's you, and it was me. And then finally the day came, and I was appointed, and, and it was awesome. And, and then after that, I was in the shower, and God spoke to me, and I, I was leaning against the wall, and the water's going on my back, and all of a sudden the water felt like hundreds and hundreds of pounds that I never pressed in my life. And he said, now I'm putting on you the weight of the church. And he reminded me in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight 28 about the hardships of Paul. And at the end of that particular chapter, he says, that's nothing compared to the weight of the churches. I'm like, oh, that's what I thought I wanted. But see, some of you don't have the shoulders for the call that God has on you because you're not willing to embrace the process, be faithful, and honor the authority that God's put in your life. Amen? Amen. Number four, last point. Say, I don't want to stand pastor because I love how it hurts. <laughs> the way you serve other people is going to determine the kind of people that serve you. In the process of leadership, the way you serve other people is going to determine the kind of people that serve you. So in other words, a lot of the relationship problems we're having, it doesn't start with them. It starts with me. It starts with me. If you want to do something great for God, in God's kingdom, it always starts with serve others. Always. Look at David's life in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 2. This is while David is hiding in the cave of Adullam, being pursued by his boss who throws spears at him. Now he's trying to kill him. And while he's in the cave of Adullam, desperate not to try to take something that is not his, try to honor authority, to try to be faithful, to embrace this process, in that place, in that cave, all of a sudden, God begins to gather people into his life that he had been faithful to, that he had served, that he had led. And even still, in, second, in 1 Samuel 22, it says, all those who were in distress, everybody say distress. All those who were in debt, let's say debt. All those who were discontented, say discontented. They gathered around David, and he became their commander. About 400 of them were with him. So David doesn't pick the best of the best. He doesn't pick all the somebodies. He doesn't get any of the somebodies. He gets all the nobodies. All of them. They're coming. Distressed. Distressed. What, what are they distressed about? Oh, maybe it's, it's, you know, it's just all the afflictions of life and the problems relationally and all these things. All the people that were in debt. You got creditors chasing you. It's debt up through their eyeballs. Woo! Great leaders. Then he gets the discontent. What are they discontent about? Well, Saul was a bitter you know, po poisoned with bitterness, and he's not really a good leader. And, and all those people, he gathers them all together. And he, he pours into them, and he begins to lead them. He draws all of them to himself, and, and he leads them out of this place. And, and, and historians tell us that of these 400 men that gathered to him, the mighty warriors, some 30 warriors that were Many stories were told. In fact, three in particular that did incredible things came out of this group of people. In other words, there was this process. He served them, and then they served him. What do you mean? Well, let me give you one example. One time David was behind enemy lines, and he said, and he just spoke out loud, oh, that I would just have somebody who would even just get me a cold, I'd give anything for a cold glass of water. And these three mighty men heard what their leader said, 
And they went over into enemy lines by themselves in hostile Philistine territory and, and killed a bunch of people and got a cold glass of water and brought it back for David. He served them so much that they would do anything for him. In fact, he said, I can't, I can't drink this. Anybody that would risk their life to get me a cold glass of water. See, all the things that he had done prior to that, embracing the pain, being faithful in, 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 in all the situations that came his way, God giving these open doors, even though they might seem small, great things began to happen through those. And then he honored authority. All that came back to him because he served others. Others would serve him commensurately and even greater. Sometimes we want what other people have, but we won't do what other people have been willing to do. David represents Christ, though. He's a type of Christ for us because Jesus did the same thing for you. He took you and your debt. He took me and my debts. I owed a debt that I couldn't pay. That's my sin. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. So Jesus said, you know what, Derek, you don't have to pay for your sins. If you want, it's a long road for that eternal separation from me, but if you let me pay for them, I'll pay your debts. And Jesus took all the people on this planet that would say yes to him with their debts, and he drew them to himself. He took all the people that were distressed, just with the afflictions of life, the problems of life, to all the people that were discontent and frustrated and all kinds of mental anguish. He took all those people, and he gathered them to himself, and he gave his life for them and served them. In John chapter 13, we see Jesus model. It's not in your notes, but John 13, 1 through 5. You see Jesus model this. The Bible actually says that he had all authority. He knew who he was. And yet, in verse 3, while he says that, in the next verse after that, he says, he says, but he took, even in that position of authority, total authority, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he got, a, he got away from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped it around his waist, he took a towel, he got down on his knees, and he washed his disciples' feet. He modeled for us the process of leadership that the greatest among you is the servant of all. And he served his disciples even unto death. And he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd like to pray for you right where you are. You can just put your notebooks away, your, your worship guides away. And I'd ask you to be very still. We'll be out of here literally in, in just a couple of minutes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through this message and there's something in the message that's putting a finger in your eye, putting a little pointer into your chest and it's good and you know God's doing something good inside of you, would you acknowledge that by just raising your hand and just letting me know and letting God know? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. All over this room. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for you first. God, for every person that just raised their hand and even the ones that didn't, I pray, Lord, that you would just... Show them the process that they're in. And may they embrace it, God. May they embrace it. I pray for, as a result of the divine moments, these moments they had with God, that they not give up on those moments just because it's tough. It's worth it. It's worth it in the end. It's totally worth it. God wants to make you a king and priest. He has great things that he wants to do. He wants to bring you into that, that, that place of success and prosperity in your soul and make you a somebody from a nobody. God sees all of you and has greatness. But I also pray that people in this room, and many need to hear this, that you would encourage them to be faithful with their gifts, faithful with what God has given them, faithful, faithful, faithful. And to the extent that we've not been faithful, God, we repent. And Lord, even more, 
And I believe this is really true of, of many of us in this room as it was for me. God, that we would come under authority. Lord, if we're going to have it, we've got to be under it. And I pray that people in this room would quickly repent for the ways that they have not been under authority, that they're quick, quick to be defiant, quick to, to exalt their own opinion, quick to rebel, quick to run, quick to resist. God, I pray that we literally submit to God. The Bible says submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. God, we can't get the devil off us until we submit to God and godly authority. I pray for that in Jesus' name. And every person in this room, I pray that they serve others that are in their life. Stop complaining about who's in their life and what they wish they had and what somebody else has. But Lord, these empty vessels that God has put in their life, I pray they pour into them. They pour into them and God will give them more. And then for the people that are here today, maybe you're here today and you feel like the group of people that came to that cave where David was. That dark place where David was, you feel like you're in a dark place and you might feel distant from God and, and discontented about faith and, and religion and, and relationship with God. You might also be distressed. There's just so many things going on in your life, you don't know how to stop it. And you also may feel guilty. You also may feel, you know, there's a, there's a price to be paid and a debt and you don't know how to pay it. I just want you to know, Sir Mamborgo, Jesus wants to pay that for you. Jesus wants to fix that for you. Jesus wants to change that thinking for you. But you got to surrender to Jesus. If you're here today and you've never done that, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to call you down front. I'm just going to ask you to respond by raising your hand and saying, yes, I want to invite Jesus into my life today. Raise your hand. Good night. Say, that's me. I don't want to miss it. Yes, yes. Good night. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Yes. Anybody else that I'm missing? All the way in the back there. Yes, young man. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Even if you're listening online, you respond to. You can put your hands down. Church, would you say this with me? And those that raise your hand, pray this. Just say, Jesus, I genuinely surrender my life today to Jesus Christ. I thank you that you are Lord, that you rose on the third day. And today I surrender my heart to you. I thank you for paying for my debt. I thank you, Lord God, for renewing my mind and for setting me free. And I pray that my name today would be known by you. Father, I pray for every person that prayed that prayer that, that they'd have that assurance, that blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Give the Lord a big hand clap. God bless you.